Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, a show to inspire and empower you and remind you that we're all a little messed up and that's okay. I'm your host, Megan. And in my personal journey, I realized that the fiercest thing I ever did was to ask for help. I no longer wanted my story to rule me. I was going to own it and share it. And throughout each one of these episodes, I want you to remember that being flawed doesn't make you less. It makes you more. Hey lady, welcome back. You are in for a good one today. I am sitting down with my guest today, Keston Jean. And Keston is a mindfulness advocate and a wellness-based podcaster. She is the true embodiment of meditation, mindfulness, just living in an authentic energy and space. She is honest and truthful about her struggles. She is vulnerable. She is open. She is aware and awake. And that's one of the ways that she used actually to describe being mindful, living in a way where we are being, where we're aware where we're present, where we're not judgmental. And the way that she speaks about her passion and her truth is so relatable and it's so tangible, which I love. There is a lot in this wellness space, in this woo-woo space, in this spiritual space that is really inauthentic. And we talk about that a little bit too. And you can sense that and you can feel that. Or it's almost presented in a way that it's really unattainable, except for a special few. And I never want anybody to feel that way. I want everybody to come to whatever practices they need and whatever truth and whatever healing and whatever conversations that you need. I want it to come from a place where you really feel heard and seen. That's why I created a podcast. That's why Keston has a podcast. We want to make sure we are living authentically and also make sure that we're living in a way where others can come along with us and take part in this wild and crazy experience of life. And so much of that is fast paced and so much of that is do and go and push and be. And there are women out there like Keston that tell us that is not the way. Maybe it was, maybe it's so much of what we've thought, but it doesn't have to be. And living a life where you've had experiences or traumas or hard shit that you've gone through, there is a way for you to stand in loving truth with yourself. So sit back, open up your hearts, open up your minds, and let it flow with the amazing and incredible words that Keston has to share with you today. Well, hello, hello, Keston. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Megan. It's a deep pleasure to be on your platform. Oh, and I actually have had the pleasure of connecting with Keston for her podcast, actually before, about a mm. year ago, probably, or around there, honestly, in social media land, and then was able to be a guest on her podcast. And I love it. I love your energy. I love what you share and all of it. And I knew we had to get you on here and share in this platform as well. So thank you for sharing not only so openly and honestly on your own space, but being open to come here on this Mm -hmm. platform and do the same. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sharing openly and honestly 
is something that I really value of other people. And so when I do it myself, it's just, you know, it's hard, but it's something that you know is worthwhile at the end of the day when you um, can share in a way in which um, it touches the hearts of other people. Um, and I think that's what happens when you share openly and honestly, as you would understand. That's really where that connection comes in, right? Like actual deep human connection. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think deep human connection is what we are actually craving for the most as people and what we, you know, we look at what is our purpose on this world? Um, And what is this, what is the purpose in life as a human being? And I really feel like what it comes down to is the wholeness and connection and belonging. And that is, um, felt and seen through our connections with other people and a connection to something that's greater to us as well. We were talking before we hit record actually about how both of us very strongly identify and fit the title of introvert (laughs) and kind of tying the two in together for anybody out there listening that is an introvert you can all agree or anybody who has lived in pandemic isolation land and kind of forgot how to socialize (laughs) very well over the last year. There is energetically to me a very distinct difference between deep connection versus Mm. surface level. I'm having to say, hi, how are you? How's the weather? And hold a very Mm. artificial conversation versus the conversation. Yes, I fully agree because I think what is missing there is we're actually hearing the other person in that deep connection and we're actually taking the time to listen in a capacity where we put our stuff aside um, and then we can show up fully to that person when we've put our own uh, expectations of ourselves and our own um, and the expectations of what they think is going to happen and we can just be that full like blank canvas for the person to be able to talk to you and for you to reflect back to them where did this path begin for you have you always been on this journey of (laughs) mindfulness meditation vulnerability openness or was it is it skills that you've learned yeah how did it yeah that's a it's a great question and it's still something that I feel like I haven't stopped and reflected myself of where this has come from but to be honest, it started at a very young age. And I think that it has been, it's been a journey and a process like my podcast is about the process podcast, but I actually was really sick when I was young and um, nearly died. So I had a very, I had this moment of being brushed by death, I guess. But um, when I was quite young, so a baby, so I didn't cognitively know what was happening, but your body knows what's happening and you do remember that and you do store it. Um, So I guess I had, you know, big T trauma when I was young Um, and that really set me up for uh, my young years of being extremely dysregulated and 
unwell and my sister, my body, my immune system was very low. I have a genetic disorder that actually um, is like a suppressed immune system. So I was always needing to be close to family as I thought something was going to go wrong. Um, and that scaredness of dysregulation was always there. So very much had a, I would say, codependent relationship with my, my parents and my mom um, because, you know, when I was young, I needed that connection all the time because her, her connection actually, like with her um, being present and me being able to even lay my head on her chest as a baby was basically what kept me alive. So I experienced, I was always very sensitive when I was young, always very sensitive and could connect with a older audience. Even when I was in preschool, I would go to the teachers, you know, how was your day today? Now, how are you? <laughs> so <laughs> I know, I know. So always just thinking of others and really wondering how they feel and they experience the world. So um, that was interesting and it's a beautiful gift, but when you are like that and your peers are not like that, it makes it extremely difficult. And it makes having deep connections with other people a little bit harder because you're just, you're just different. Um, and that was really, really hard for me growing up for sure. And I experienced a lot of anxiety and sadness. And I, I call it, I call it sadness and not depression because I don't like to solidify and identify with a diagnosis because in my eyes, I wasn't sick. I didn't have anxiety or depression. I was highly sensitive and picking up on things um, and had big questions, like big existential questions at a young age of why are we here on this planet? Like, what is my role? Um, you know, why do we go to school and go to work? I'm, I'm you know, what, what's all of this? Why are we doing these things? So I... Yeah, I identify with having big thoughts and big feelings and not necessarily anxiety or depression. And so that continued throughout most of my schooling and it got to a stage where it was quite hard for me to even go to school. Like I just felt like it was not the place for me. It was just fueling things that I didn't understand and I was highly intelligent but more emotionally intelligent as well and just going you know why are we doing these things so I actually started counseling at a young age to help me with all of this and help me with de just depacking you know my family system which and the conditioning and those things so that definitely helped me in my journey and process but what helped me a lot was also diving into meditation and mindfulness. And that started at age 17 or 16. I was first introduced to meditation just to help regulate my system and to even, you know, have the space and capacity in myself to 
um, have a space where I didn't identify with my uh, parents' uh, projections and just really be able to piece myself away from that and to solidify in my own self. So I was first introduced, like I said, at age 17, 16 to meditation and didn't really do it consistently. It was just something that I did here and there and it was helpful and I enjoyed it. But once you first meditate, when you, once you start to meditate, you know that you realize that your thoughts are constant and your feelings are constant and it can be overwhelming a lot of the times. And that certainly was what I noticed in myself. I noticed that, you know, I am, I'm constantly thinking and I'm constantly worried and I'm constantly in the past or in the future. And I was not the only one. I'm, I'm just the, like everybody else. This is what goes on in every human mind, but every, we fail. Every person <laughs> yeah. listening is adamantly <laughs> shaking their head right yeah. now. Exactly. It's, um, definitely not the only one and it's what happens to everyone it's the, the human condition but um looking into meditation and mindfulness more so has allowed me to um not identify with those thoughts and feelings and to look at them in a new way um, that is more compassionate and non-judgmental and to be able to just piece myself away from them so yeah that continued and it has been a passion since and what really solidified that passion was going to a mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy like eight-week course when I was about 19 and that was a really interesting experience for me because we were in a room of people that identified with being anxious or depressed or having OCD. And I sat around this room going, just looking at each individual going, man, we're all fine. We just have these strange thoughts in our head that are fear-based. <laughs> like, everyone's fine we're just we're just have these storylines that we're caught up in that aren't even real um so it was really amazing to just notice that you know every one of us has something that's constantly going that we are afraid of um and when you're an outside person looking in you can see that that is false <laughs> so it was a really beautiful thing and in that course we were um doing a lot of meditation and mindfulness in general. And I, I really enjoyed the classes. Like I could understand it. And I was going, Oh, this is, this is the way I think and feel. And this is makes complete and total sense to me. So from then on, I just self-studied and formal studied in mindfulness and meditation. I want to hug all the versions of you. I want to hug <laughs> child version and high school version and today version and just yeah I so much to unpack and my brain is just spiraling and I'm trying to be uh mindful and dress in this space but I did you have resistance at all when you started the process of peeling away that tight hold on being so identified of this is my story. This is my, these are, mm. this is my thought. This, this is how I identify 
as mm. this? Or was that something that was a little bit more fluid for you and it came a little bit more naturally? That's a really good question. And I think it would be different for different things for each individual. But I think as a human being, we grasp onto those identities and those storylines because it makes us feel safe, that we feel solid and in this world. Otherwise, that's when we can get more ethereal and look into those bigger questions and that can feel very ungrounding to the nervous system. So I think that we feel safe and comfortable in solidifying with any identity. It creates a, a safeness that we're here in this world as this person, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, I think a part of me had a problem with that and a part of me didn't. And I think I'm still going through that in some way of going like, even in this present moment, like I'm okay, That's my that was my story. It's not who I am. I think it's a constant just um, being aware that you are here right at this moment, which means that you are, none of those storylines, not even a word, basically. You're just you, here. Yeah, that was something that when I first had Heard in the beginning of my journey, I had heard a lot of talk about not identifying with. And, and it was such a, a fine line for me of owning something and sharing it and not being ashamed yeah. and standing in it, but also not having that be me. Like that, that wasn't yeah. me. That was a little puzzle piece of the whole big picture. Is there anything that you've worked through or been able to implement that's helped you to feel a little bit more grounded or tethered when you are thinking of this huge big picture or trying to unravel what is our identity because truthfully that's what makes us feel safe we might not like it it mm -hmm. might be really uncomfortable but it's familiar therefore we mm -hmm. feel a little bit of false safety in that space totally and I think it's really important to say that like we all have ego and we need a healthy level of ego to help us feel solidified in this world as a human being because that's what we are so we actually need our ego to be there so I think having a healthy ego and building that ego up is actually a mechanism to help us feel grounded in this world and solidified instead of being so ethereal and out there and existential um, the other thing that has really helped me is communicating with other people. So just having, you know, a support base, whether that be a good friend you can turn to and be like, okay, these are the thoughts that are going on in my head right at this moment. And this is how I'm feeling. And having someone just listen to that and then be even smile and laugh it off helps you. And, or even the person going, yes, I have felt that way as well. Like helps you just feel not alone in that. And it also gives you like a solid thing to bounce an idea off. So something solid in the world right at this moment. Uh, the other thing that is really helpful for me is nature. Um, I think we turn to nature and look at nature. Well, I look at nature as something that's consistent 
and holds the most amount of truth because as humans we have all these thoughts feelings emotions uh, projections of all the things that we do and we create and truly we only create it in our minds and project it out as well is it true no I'm not too sure but if you look to nature you know that is solid that's consistent that is truth to me the more that I've gotten in tune, I grew up in the country. I grew up in nature. It was part of my upbringing, but it was just part of what it was. Like, I didn't really give two thoughts about it. It just was. Yeah. And the more that I've researched, not even researched, but the more I've learned about it is thinking, like, yeah, like, think about the energy that we can transmute by just touching the ground and releasing that. Think about our breath replenishing like how the trees replenish us with oxygen and they Mm. give and how it's just this beautiful interconnected flow that's Mm. just always there as a support yeah but it's just always there so we don't have to have to quote unquote give a lot of thought to it yeah and I think you know as human beings we have become somewhat disconnected from nature in our society and we don't we're constantly busy and doing and we don't even you know, who looks up at the stars? Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking the other day. Like not many people just take the moment to go outside and just look up and appreciate the stars. But when you do, you just, something washes over you, right? Something feels so much more calming and connected and okay. Um, and I think it, that helps us really get out of our heads and out of what is happening internally and be able to place that on some something that will hold you in some way there's also such a piece in my mind too when I really sit and think that nature in itself it's so wise and it just does what it's supposed to do and it doesn't Mm -hmm. overthink it or get in its own way it just is and Mm -hmm. it moves through the process exactly Mm -hmm. as it's supposed to yes Yes, it's it's cyclical. It has a cycle and it blooms at its own timing and it just knows what it's doing innately. It doesn't question it. It just trusts the process, basically. And I find that the hardest thing to do in my life is to trust the (laughs) process and to, to trust the unfolding and timing of things. And I mean, we probably all do, but um yeah, nature is a beautiful reminder to do just that. Where did you start to kind of think of, okay, I had this journey. I've had this story. I've had this. I want to have a podcast. I want to connect. I want to communicate. I want to be vulnerable and share others' vulnerabilities as well. Mm -hmm. Great question. So going through struggling at age 16, 17, and through my whole life, I always wished that there was someone in my age category that could reflect what I was going through and to be a voice for that. And for someone that I could look to and know that I was okay and this is just normal, uh, someone who was real and authentic. And a part of me, I think innately knew that, well, this is my journey because this is what I needed the most. So I need to give that to myself, but I also feel a direct 
need to give that to other people in whatever age category that is. But if I can help someone who is going through a hard time in in the age category that I was in, then that is a beautiful thing. And that could be one person and that could be a million people. I'm not too sure. But it just felt like this need. I think we have that urge and that pull, that's that inner knowing and that kind of blind trust of saying, if I know that I need this and it's not out there, mm, then exactly. I need to be the carrier of that. Exactly. Yeah. And just seeing, you know, um, just what you go through in your life directly shapes of what you're going to present in this life. And, you know, what I went through is something that I needed at the time. And I think, you know, as individuals, we all need mindfulness. We all need meditation. We all need that uh, connection with something that's greater because we are constantly doing and we forget to just be and I honestly forget that all the time and that's what I've needed the most in my life is a groundedness a something to help me um be more regulated so it's something that I will constantly keep on doing so why not share that with other people because I'm definitely not the only one we I should have asked this in the beginning now that I'm starting to think about it but we're talking about mindfulness and we're talking about meditation and to me, I think it's easier for people that have not dabbled in this to know, okay, I know what meditation is, or I know mm. kind of the idea. To you, what is mindfulness? What does that yeah. mean or look like? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so for me, mindfulness is a way of living and it's a way of being and relating to this world. Um, it's a way of being awake and aware. And what that means is being present in the moment um, with a sense of being non-judgmental and you go into you know what is being awake and being awake is merely being noticing that you are in this world and being open to whatever that looks and feels like to you and I think that we forget to pay attention on purpose like who really goes um you know I'm here right now and um, I'm paying attention to my thoughts and feelings and the sensations and how I'm reacting and mindfulness is that gap in which allows us to do so but in a way in which that is uh, more nurturing to oneself and one's process so even now you know we practice mindfulness of me just tapping into my body and being able to um, be aware of the sensations of what's going through my body, being aware of the thoughts that are going through my head, being aware that I am articulating and talking to you and holding that in a present moment awareness in a way that I am non-judgmental towards it. And being non-judgmental is a very hard thing to do because we're all constantly judging um, everything as humans. So it sounds all kind of easy, but it's the hardest thing in the world, right? Um, and 
being mindful and living a mindful life and just you know practicing mindfulness is a very hard thing to do and that's why having a formal practice which you know can look like meditation or having a formal practice that's a body scan to help you uh, become aware of your sensations in your body actually aware of your sensations in the body um, helps us to solidify a being more present for a life when we're awake do you what is your practice I'm always curious to know what does your practice mm. look like or entail does it look different from day to day time to time yeah a hundred percent so I like to sit down for formal practice um, either once or twice a day. And at the moment, I like to do so in the morning for about half an hour. I will sit in um, either a silent meditation and I like background noise to help anchor me in. So I like to have some sort of um, like a harp playing or a, a rain sound to just help me um, be able to focus my attention on one thing and when you're focusing your attention on one thing obviously that's going to um, your attention is going to move from thing to thing so it's going to get skewed it's going to think about what you need to do during the day and after the meditation and the whole process of it is to just come back to the object of attention and allow your, allow your thoughts to roam because once we try and control our thoughts, that's when we um, create more disruption in the mind, more tension, which will create more thoughts. Um, so being able to notice that, hey, yes, I am thinking and then coming back to the object of attention, which for me is usually music, is the process of mindfulness. And in, in doing so, being compassionate that these thoughts come up and being open and curious about them and not latching onto them and I sometimes do a meditation that's guided depends if I'm feeling you know if I'm feeling ungrounded that day and I need extra support myself sometimes having a guided meditation is really helpful um, so I like to do one with either Tara Brach or John Kabat-Zinn and John Kabat-Zinn is the founder of uh, mindfulness in modern Western world um, from the 1970s. But just having someone's voice guiding you back or just reassuring you can be really beneficial as well. And other days and moments, I like to do a body scan meditation. So I might do a body scan meditation in the evening, which helps me really downregulate my system and help me relax and also helps me to tap into the areas of my body and become more embodied. Do you notice shifts that happen or signs that happen if you are not practicing regularly? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, my mind's just batshit crazy. I don't know if I can swear here, but like... Totally can. Um, yeah. I feel very calm and comforted when people swear. Okay, cool. me, so you make me yeah. feel at ease. Great. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just as insane and neurotic as every other person then. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely periods in my life where 
meditation hasn't been um, at the forefront of what I've put as a priority. As we get busy, life happens, different things in your situation arises. And I definitely have noticed that in those moments, I don't feel as happy or as connected to myself. I feel very caught up in different things and um, ungrounded and not as um, ready to be an able listener to other people when I haven't spent time with myself and just centering in on um, what I hold dear and, and a sense of non-doing. I mean, we're always constantly doing and when we're constantly doing, it's just puts our system into overdrive and then that's when our values get swayed and skewed and um, the act of non-doing is a beautiful act. I often have to sit with two when I'm in that phase and I kind of fall out of my personal practices that mm. I know are really centering for me and, and allow me to drop into that space. I always have to ask, am I not making a priority because I'm busy or because of X, Y, Z? Oftentimes mm. it's because I don't actually want to deal with the piece that I really need to deal with yeah oh I just don't want to sit with this really uncomfortable yeah thought emotion feeling sensation whatever it is a hundred percent I feel you on that Megan I definitely am the same and when you do so it can be so uncomfortable but it's for a short period of time and that short period of time you know it may be uncomfortable but you're actually going to probably process it or be in a way to look at it in a different way, which would definitely help the stress cycle to end and for you to move on and see things in a new light. But I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. It's basically picking at a scab repeatedly and repeatedly, repeatedly. <laughs> and if you would just leave it alone and like tend to yeah. it in the proper way, it would yeah. heal and resolve. And, and not that every issue, obviously, when we're talking about heavy things in life, mm. like by no means am I dismissing dismissing like yeah oh, you have a a trauma big small or an experience big or small and you think yeah. it's just magically gonna disappear by meditating or being mindful yeah. it's not for me it's not no. but as you reflected Kes it's I have the tools I have the capacity I have an awareness of being compassionate with myself mm. and just giving it space to be instead of just pushing it to the side and continuing to do mm. instead of actually dealing with what yeah. you deal with. Yes. And that's an important thing to touch upon. If you, you know, have are going through or experiencing feelings of um, old trauma arising or trauma in general, it's not the best thing to sit down and just be with it. That's, that's very overwhelming to the system and can re-traumatize you. So that's like, don't practice a, a sitting formal meditation where you're just being with those um, emotions. If you want to do a meditation or a mindfulness practice, you know, you can be mindful sipping coffee or tea. Um, you can go for a walk and be in nature. You don't have to sit down with the intent to, okay, I'm going to allow myself to feel this emotion. That is way too overwhelming. And we need the uh, facilitation of professionals to help us through those things and support. I'm so, I'm so, so glad that we took this path and that we're talking about it. And I have shared with the listeners on here and with everybody actually that I breathe, that same, same exact situation happened where I found breathwork at a time that was really 
transformational in my life and it was really hard and heavy. And when I dove in, I, that trauma was reintroduced to my system and I was not Mm -hmm. managing or handling it well. And I didn't know how to do that on my own or have the capacity to. So I'm so thankful that you said that because I think I'll speak for myself, but my experience in that moment then was great. Now I'm failing at the thing that's supposed to be healing for me. Mm -hmm. Now I already can't do it. I was just causing a bigger drift of shame and guilt on self for something that truly I didn't have the capacity for in that moment no no it's like there's the analogy of you don't look into Medusa's eyes because you get turned into stone it's the same thing with trauma it's like you you can slightly glance at it you know you may there be maybe moments where you slightly just um, brush the edges off it but you don't look at it straight at your at it, its eyes full on you have people and buffers there as a support base and you build up your uh, resources in other areas to be able to deal with it for sure and we were using the word trauma but for anybody listening that can be any experience that you have a hard time maneuvering in maybe trauma isn't a word that you identify with but a heavy mm-hmm. experience or loss or grief or totally. depression where whatever and however that lands with you just yeah. know there's nothing wrong with you in that space at all mm-hmm. Mm, yeah that's very important as well and even when I look back on my life the you know quote-unquote traumas that I am still processing now really come from things that other people wouldn't think is traumatic right it's just like the small extremely small things that I've picked up in my life but that hasn't been processed so it feels like trauma in the body so for example I was held back in school when I was in grade one which was another very big thing for me as I was very sick so I couldn't attend school and that in my system was trauma so for other people they may not think that is trauma but for someone that is and a beautiful reminder too especially as you shared your story in the beginning looking at you, I would never know that. I would never know that you went through something at a young age that continued to have a ripple effect throughout the rest of your life as it should or would. And that reminder to myself of not only when I'm compassionate for myself, I get to show up very compassionately for others and remember, I don't know what anybody's carrying. I have no idea what their experience is. No. Yeah. And coming back full circle, honestly, when I use meditation, mindfulness, breath work, when I use those practices, I am compassionate with myself and then I can be compassionate and empathetic with others. That's one of my first cues, honestly, when I've neglected my, my own practice and my own self Mm. is my first incident is like, I'm reacting to people in a way that is not my (laughs) truth and it is not kind. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Yes, that's mine too. If I am short with someone or not being able to hold their projections of their stuff very well or I'm attaching to it, it's a very much like, okay, Heston, do you need sleep? Do you need food? Do you need to meditate? Like your system needs to calm down for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. I'm glad I feel seen and heard that I'm not the only one. <laughs> that is totally. my... Uh, that is my instant. Yeah. And I think meditation and mindfulness, you know, it, like you said, it has that capacity to um, be able to create more empathy, empathy and compassion and that there's different regions in the brain. For example, the temporal parietal junction, I 
believe I'm saying that right, is a place in our brain where it actually expands and that allows us to be able to relate to our own um, inner happenings better and therefore we are able to allow other people to to relate better with them, to create that empathy, to create that compassion. I think that's the the true medicine or the true gift of being mindful. First of all, is you actually live this life fully. Uh, second of all, you have the capacity to hold um, your own projections in awareness and therefore you are able to do that to other people, which creates connection where it um, takes away that buffer of me and somebody else and, and then allows that to have a more inner connection and that intertwining of life. When we heal ourselves, we heal others, Or right? You can't go about giving and healing or just being with other people when we're not able to be with self fully. For sure, yeah. What, I love these two questions. Somebody asked me recently and I was, I'm obsessed with them. What, Keston, is something that you are learning and what is something that you are loving at the moment? Oh, I am in the constant process of learning to be more inclusive and compassionate towards myself. Um, So I am learning to do that and to slow down. Um, you know, we talk about mindfulness and I'm human. So I get caught up in, in, um, thinking that I need to do certain things and tick off certain things off my list. So I'm constantly learning to slow down and integrate mindfulness. And I am learning to navigate a new relationship at the moment, which is an extremely vulnerable thing, which creates, you know, all your old shit come up basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm navigating that and learning to allow myself to open up to somebody else um, and truly love. And that's a, that's a hard, uncomfortable, uh, beautiful, growth worthy uh, task. Yeah. One of the biggest right? Letting somebody really in. Yeah. 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 Some days I'm like, oh God, do I really want to? (laughs) It's worth it. It's worth it. All the good stuff is. Yeah. 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 And something that I am loving at the moment. Oh, I just started rock climbing. This is a, I know this is such a segue, but I just started rock climbing um, with my now partner. And that is a really interesting new way of um just noticing your body more and you know being in participation of sport so rock climbing has been a really big thing that I'm loving talk about body awareness oh I know Go rock climbing and you will be very aware <laughs> of all parts of your body and yes. the crazy wild things that they have to do for you and do for you when you have no idea exactly yeah or that they could no, I didn't know my forearms could actually latch onto things. <laughs> like, I'm getting great grip with my hands. It's great. I can pick up anything now. <laughs> Look at that. I like that one. Yeah. Where can people find you? Where can they dig into the process podcast? Just connect with you as a human. 
Yeah. So uh, people can find me or the process podcast It's actually called the process podcast with Cast and Jean, as I'm pretty sure somebody else has the name, the process podcast, but you know, that's fine. Um, so you can find me on either Spotify or iTunes and also at uh, Keston Jean. So that's K-E-S-T-E-N-J-E-A-N on Instagram, where I am hopefully doing a cromulent job on my Instagram page. It's something that I'm new to. And so I'm not active all the time, but definitely if you want to connect, um, just send me a voice message or DM. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for showing up, for showing up vulnerably and honestly and living your truth. Like you just, in this space, and I'm not going to get on a huge tangent and go down (laughs) this, but in this space of this woo, mindfulness, meditation, whatever land, there's a lot that I think can be really inauthentic and people can feel that. And I just, I, I've never, your energy is something that is just so beautiful and so genuinely true. And I thank you for sharing that constantly with me and honestly with everybody else, because when we heal, we get to heal one another collectively. And that's a beautiful gift that you're sharing. So thank you. Thank you so much, Megan. And thank you for having me on your platform. Likewise, I feel very much um, seen when you share your a journey and I know that comes from such an authentic place so it allows it allows people like me to be authentic as well so thank you thank you thank you so much for listening to the fit and fierce podcast if you enjoyed it please head over to itunes subscribe and download so you never miss an episode and drop me a rating and review it's the best way to support the show and to keep more episodes coming your way see you next time